0: St. Paul, in the second reading, exhorts us, saying, I urge you, do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. One aspect of our journey as disciples is to change our mentality, our intellectual approach to reality. Our vision needs to be transformed, if you want And in the gospel, Jesus rebukes Peter with strong words. Remember last Sunday we heard him praising Peter for having received the grace to recognize the Messiah. And then he appointed him as as the rock, the foundation of the church. But then moments later, verses later, he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Notice that the word that Jesus is using here, he says, get behind me. It means take your place of a disciple again. Don't try to go ahead of me, teaching me how things should unfold. You follow me. I am in the lead. You get behind me. And then he calls Peter Satan because he's an obstacle to Jesus. And the Greek word used in the gospel is scandalon, the root for our word scandal. And it literally means a stone in which you trip. So Peter is the foundation because his thoughts about the Messiah came from God, but at the same time is the skandalon, because his thoughts about how his messianism should look like are merely human, so he's in the one hand, the rock on which the church is built, but in the other hand, he's a rock on which Jesus trips over. Isn't this somehow our story as well? We follow the Lord, we incorporate his teachings, his criteria about the art of living as disciples, but all too often we are also driven by worldly perspectives and merely human trains of thought, lacking vertical lines. And as we do so, we might become scandalon for others as well. Why did Jesus rebuke Peter in such a strong way anyways? Because Peter reacts against the cross. When Jesus announces that he was going to suffer, be persecuted, and be crucified, Peter pulls Jesus aside and begins to argue with him. And we can almost imagine Peter thinking, this will not happen. Let's find another way. Look at you, Lord. People love you. You have this amazing popularity. They think you are a prophet, like Jeremiah or John the Baptist. You perform all these miracles. Let's take the political way, maybe. You will be proclaimed king in a heartbeat. Let's take the way of power, prestige, success. We can do a lot of good things together, Lord. Doesn't it sound somehow reasonable for Peter to think that? Well, not to Jesus, not to him. The way through which he was going to redeem the world was by his crucified love and resurrection and that salvific event would become the pattern for our sanctification and for the good works that we are called to carry on in the world. So in fact we have two ways if you want or two patterns the worldly way to do things and the way of the gospel. The worldly way at its core operates as if this life were all we have with no eternal perspective. So the consequence of that lack of eternal perspective is that the world's first commandment is make the most out of this life. Number one commandment. Because that's all that you have. And if we expand this first commandment, this worldly first commandment, it sounds like, enjoy as much as you can. Live and let live, avoid any problems, mind your own business, try to become rich or as wealthy and successful as you can. Always keeping in mind that there is a formula or an equation that has to be considered. The equation has an input and effort and an output enjoyment. So you want to have this formula very well, very fine-tuned. Your effort should afford you at least an equal amount of enjoyments. If you're so skilled that you can have a lot of enjoyment without almost any effort, then good for you. The anthropology behind this worldly mentality claims that you are good as you are. You don't need any major surgery. You are ready to go to heaven if there's any. You're good. Just enjoy yourself. The way of the gospel is the one that Jesus is explaining today. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Lose your life so that you can save it. It begins by an act of self-denial so we can get gain greater freedom to become a disciple so that we can follow the Lord. And the anthropology behind it is that we are good, sure, created in God's image and likeness, but broken, good but broken. We have addictions. We are selfish, prideful, self-referential, envious, greedy, carnal, So there is a transformation that has to happen in us. And not an easy one, not an easy transformation. It involves dying to ourselves. Because love is what transforms us ultimately. And love is about others, not about ourselves mainly. In this broken state of affairs, in this broken world, love goes hand by hand with suffering. We know this. If you love, you care. You get involved. You commit. You invest. You worry. You suffer. You forget about yourself. But how much happiness and joy there is in this life lived through love? In fact, if you think about it, God made us free so that we could love, so that we could love. He made us so that we could love him back and love each other. So today's readings are about transforming our mentality, our vision of who we are and what we are in this life for. We came to this planet to love, to serve to make a difference, to give, to touch people around us in such a way that they will flourish and then, and only then, go to heaven where there will be a consummation, a completion of what we lived in this life. Jesus reassures us about this. He says in today's gospel, what profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life. I never know how to pronounce that word, by the way. I hope I'm saying it right. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. He will come. Let me tell you that the worldly way is tempting, isn't it? It seems merrier. It promises instant gratification, or quick gratification at least. I went for a run with Aaron a week ago uh, through the waterfront in Georgetown. And we were passing through these massive boats. I don't know if you've been there, but massive boats with people eating on their decks. So as as I was running, I began repeating in my heart the words of the psalm, my heart is ready, Lord. My heart is ready. Because that place with its music, its aroma, it's an icon of what this world has to offer. Of course, I didn't judge those people who were enjoying themselves and about whom I don't know anything. I was judging myself. I perceived in my own heart the attraction for that. It is attractive. We have to acknowledge that. The gospel, in, con- in contrast, is more austere. The word tells you, enjoy yourself. And Jesus tells you, deny yourself. So it is more austere. But if you begin by denying yourself, you will find life in abundance. You will have, and this is his promise, Jesus' peace. You will enjoy his friendship. You will experience the love of God, which surpasses everything that we can think of. You will witness In your own life and around you, the Father's provident hand, you will have a sense of purpose and mission. You will see people flourish around you. You will be fruitful. You will love and be loved. And then you will go to heaven. St. John Henry Newman wrote about this in a powerful sermon about the cross and I will quote him now. He wrote, It must not be be supposed, because the doctrine of the cross makes us sad, that therefore the gospel is a sad religion. Let no one go away with the impression that the gospel makes us take a gloomy view of the world and of life. It hinders us indeed from taking a superficial view and finding a vain, transitory joy in what we see. But it forbids our immediate enjoyment only to grant enjoyment in truth and fullness afterwards. It only forbids us to begin with enjoyment. It bids us begin with the cross of Christ. And in that cross, we shall at first find sorrow, but in a while, peace and comfort will rise out of that sorrow and then he concludes by saying they alone are able truly to enjoy this world who begin with the world unseen they alone enjoy it who have first abstained from it they alone alone can truly feast who have first fasted they alone are able to use the world, who have learned not to abuse it, they alone inherit it, who take it as a shadow of the world to come, and who for that world to come relinqu- relinquish it. I'd like to end by proposing to all of you two questions for, for you to keep in mind through this week to re- for, your own, to your own, for your own reflection. The first one is, what are the areas in my life in which the Lord might be calling me to deny myself for the sake of others, for the sake of love of the ones around me, for the sake of my mission, for for the sake of growing into the one who I'm called to be? The second one is, are any of my perspectives too worldly without any vertical line? How can I move from this worldly mentality in this particular area of my life to a more gospel mentality?